0: Hey, this is LOA Today, the Law of Attraction show. Welcome to LOA Today. My name is Walt Thiessen. It is Thursday, May 11th. 2017, and today, since Joel can't be here with me, ona you've decided once more to sit in and uh, engage in our uh, exploration of the law of attraction. Thanks so much for doing so. Always fun, yes. It is fun. We, uh, we, we've actually been doing more reading as per usual for us, and in the yes. course of doing that reading, we've both come up with some interesting stuff to talk about, so that's what yeah. we're going to do today. I found an article. You found a book. You want to start with the book?
1: Sure. So... Um, You know, this is kind of continuing in the train of what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, but specifically focusing on visualization. And I came across this book called The Power of Visualization. And interestingly, it is written by Dr. Lee Poulos, P-U-L-O-S, and he was the psychologist who performed the now very popular experiment where he had athletes, do um he divided them into four groups and one group did only practice, one did group did twenty-five percent practice and seventy-five percent visualization. Another group did the opposite where they did seventy-five percent practice and twenty-five percent visualization, and the fourth group did only visualization. And then he evaluated their performance after a couple of months. And the group that actually did the 25% practice and 75% visualization was the group that, um, that excelled, that, that performed the best. And so he, in the 90s, apparently wrote the book about this. And in that book that was written in the 90s, he talked about how he had been teaching visualization to athletes for over 20 years. So I was like, whoa, I have no idea this thing had been around and, and, and so popular all this time. Oh, so, yeah.
0: Yeah. So. Visualization has been popular for quite some time. Yeah. And, and the ability to use it for just this kind of thing is it's not just for athletes i mean visualization's been used in a number of different ways it was actually used as part of the moon landing believe it or not
1: oh really yeah okay. the first
0: moon landing they actually put the astronauts through visual, visualization programs to help them you know perform their tasks more smoothly and with fewer errors
1: uh-huh. so
0: yeah it's been around for a long long time
1: <laughs> yeah i was really um, that that i that was like wow this is a, you know a, a very good I was happy to learn that. And, and you know, I was like, well, where was, that? well, how come I'm only now finding out about this? Yeah, know? right.
0: <laughs> Why aren't they telling us these things?
1: Exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. It's been around for quite some time and, and it's only now just really beginning to set into the public consciousness. Um, but, yes. at, but as it continues to do so, I mean, we can only just begin to imagine all the different ways it's going to positively impact us.
1: Right. And the thing is that this book, you know, written in the 90s, so it's, like, over 30 years old, and, um, you know, and he, he, you know, he's a psychologist and a researcher, and so he gave a very scientific approach to the whole thing, which is a little different from the more, um, the new-agey type of approach, where they say, well, you know, it's good for you, and you need to do it, and you need to, you know, well, but he gave specifics and and lists and and details that uh, really excited my, science brain you
0: know so <laughs> well it's interesting you mentioned science because um that kind of ties into the article that I was reading it also reason ties into a second article I was reading as a result of the first article let me go yes. to the second one first
1: <laughs> happens all the time <laughs> oh yeah
0: I, you know how that is well the second article was from about four years ago uh, a gentleman writing he was complaining about uh, lack of objectivity in the news and okay. his purpose was to state that there is a popular movement going on to destroy objectivity. Mm -hmm. And in essence, he was complaining that what the other side are arguing is that there really is no objectivity, there's only subjectivity. And his complaint is, well, the only way you could come to that conclusion is if you looked at it objectively.
1: (laughs) Okay. I
0: actually tried to write a letter to him until I found after sending it that the email address wasn't valid so I had no way to send it to him but but I, but I wanted to send it anyway because I wanted to point out to him that objectivity in and of itself is an a priori concept mm-hmm. I mean you can't prove objectivity there, there's right. no way to do that so you have to assume that it's true exactly but how do we know that it's true <laughs> there, yeah, there, there is no way to know we, we we have fences that are self-deluding and deluded by others yeah. How yeah. can we possibly know that objectivity is true? We can't. There, there's yes. just no way to do it. No. You know. And and actually, the act of believing that you can be 100% objective is itself <laughs> a self-delusion. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. So, you know,
1: the thing is, though for me, the whole idea of the news is that it's subjective because they are trying to appeal to a readership, and so sure you know, if they were to write an entirely objective uh, piece, like, like you know, we were encouraged to back in the early days of, of science writing, you know, they would say, you know, be objective and you know, don't get all your, your personal opinions involved and blah blah blah, but then they realize nobody could was reading it or nobody cared <laughs> <laughs> so now they're like, well, okay, maybe we should be a little bit more subjective in our writing yeah, so he, the news is way more uh, so yeah
0: <laughs> yeah and, and really the the key to understanding the news is that the news like you say is always going to have a subjective bias to it it's going to have mm-hmm. some emotion it's going to have bias it's going to have you know, viewpoint, And the right. moment that you introduce viewpoint is the moment that you introduce subjectivity. Exactly. Well, as long as you have viewpoint, then the, the key thing to understand is, well, what's the viewpoint? Yes. If you know what the viewpoint is, then you can at least have the opportunity to filter out the junk you don't want.
1: Yes, exactly. That's okay.
0: True. But here's yeah. the one thing that his viewpoint can't account for. And, in fact, mm-hmm. it ties into the article that I found, the first one. The first mm-hmm. one I found actually came out about a, uh, around the same time. It was Mm -hmm. April 2013, and the Mm -hmm. article was entitled, it's from The Guardian in the UK, the the article is entitled, News is Bad for You, and Giving Up Reading It Will Make You Happier. Mm -hmm. Now, now this is a really relevant article to this show, because Joel and I have both given up looking at the news for the most part. Right. And in in much of our weeks, we don't pay any attention to it at all.
1: Uh Uh-huh.
0: And it certainly has made us happier. Okay. So, (laughs) So when I saw that headline, I said... Cool, somebody else has investigated what Joel and I are doing. Let's see what it has to say. Right. And boy, was I disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> what it turns out to be is an example of another person who is deluded by his own objectivity.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, for instance, in his, not his lead paragraph, but his second paragraph, he starts off by saying, news misleads. Well, I agree with that. It does mislead. Take the following event, he writes, from borrowed from somebody named Nassim Taleb. A car drives over a bridge and the bridge collapses. What does the news media focus on? The car, the person in the car, where he came from, where he planned to go, how he experienced the crash, if he survived. But that is all irrelevant. Well, what's relevant? The structural stability of the bridge. That's the underlying risk, he writes, that has been lurking and could lurk in other bridges. But the Mm -hmm. car is flashy, it's dramatic, it's a person, non-abstract, and it's news that's cheap to produce. News leads us to walk around the completely wrong risk map in our heads. So, terrorism is overrated, chronic stress is underrated, the collapse of Lehman Brothers is overrated, fiscal irresponsibility is underrated, astronauts are overrated, and nurses are underrated. Mm -hmm. Now, do you see the flaw in his paragraph?
1: Yeah, he's... He, you know, like I was sharing with you before, he is uh, biased. In his what?
0: Thoughts. No, no, he's objective. <laughs> <laughs>
1: because, I mean, you know, he's saying that you shouldn't focus on this because you should focus on that because he thinks that that's where the
0: exactly. Room. Exactly. But- What's wrong with you? you? You're focusing on the wrong thing. You should be focusing on what I think you should focus yes, on. <laughs> exactly
1: so. I mean, even if he, like I had shared with you before, he had said, you know, you focus on the bridge because that's something, a problem that you can actually do something about. He doesn't mention that. His angle is completely different. And on the other hand, if he was saying that we don't focus on the bridge. We focus on the car. That's that's not true. Because for most people, that the car is not the important thing. Just the, the person, the person who died. It's all about you know the social uh, uh, cost of, of, of the this accident. Because you know we, we see from um, you know the, the the rapid growth and success of social media and and all these other entities that people care about people. That's <laughs> right.
0: They do care about people. Yeah.
1: So the car is like uh, the car is like the bridge to me. I mean, I'm not a car, uh, you know, enthusiast nor am I a car mechanic, so I could care less about <laughs> cars. But the person who died, yeah, I want to know do they have relatives? They they have children. You know, that's the kind of stuff. So yeah, he he's definitely. A kind
0: Well, of plus stuff. he also writes the, the the structural stability of the bridge. That's the underlying risk that has been lurking and could lurk in other bridges. Well, okay. Mm-hmm. Let's yeah. let's go that thought route for a minute. Okay. What do you, what does he hope is going to be accomplished by everybody knowing about that? Because exactly. unless you're a bridge engineer, what can you do with it other than make yourself more depressed?
1: Exactly. And <laughs> yes. I, there,
0: there is no other purpose to it. Yeah. <laughs> unless, oh, there is one other purpose. What, let's, let's say we want to get everybody up in arms and politically active. And, oh, my God, the bridges are collapsing. Politicians, yes. you've got to save us. And how exactly does that help? Yeah. <laughs> he misses the point. His entire article misses the point. If news is bad for you, and you shouldn't watch it, then all news is bad, not just the parts he thinks are bad. All of it is bad to watch. And the the reason why it's bad to watch is because we are inundated with so much negativity that it has overtaken our subconscious minds.
1: Yeah. And you know, the thing is, what you, you pointed out, interestingly, I hadn't realized that this is what I had been doing. I have... Uh, you know, like you, I've evaluated the effect of the news on my life and my psyche. And I have decided to continue to follow the news, not as voraciously as I did in the past. But my Well, that's attitude- okay.
0: That's improvement. <laughs> yes, that's improvement.
1: Yes. But my attitude towards the news is what's changed. Oh, really? We're talking about, yes, because like I shared with you sometime before, I now see it as like a, a reality TV show.
0: Yes, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> And about as real as reality TV.
1: Exactly. And so I no longer get all caught up, you know, emotionally and, and all that kind of stuff. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this is, it. oh, that's what's happening. Okay, good. And and I, I move on. I I make no investments emotionally or otherwise into what this is mean. And, you know, like some people, they read the news and they they immediately think consciously or subconsciously how this is going to affect their lives. But to me, it's, it's, TV, and it had no impact on my life any, uh, one way or the other. And now, you know, I'm learning all these other things where I am uh, not a victim of my circumstances, but I'm in control of the things that happen to me. So what's happening in the news is really inconsequential. I just find them to be very nice uh, stories.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's basically a soap opera.
1: Yes, exactly. A- as exactly. the
0: world turns, may no, may no longer be on network TV, guess- but the principle still applies everywhere.
1: Still there, very much so. So, Yeah, it's like, oh, that's, that's the new thing that's happening today. Okay, all right. And
0: it's go. still brought to you by soap powder.
1: Yep. <laughs> that hasn't changed.
0: <laughs> that hasn't changed at all. <laughs> and yet he does have some valid stuff in here. He, he does recognize the negative side of news. He just doesn't apply it far enough. But right. he points, he goes through a long list. I mean, he lists how news is toxic to your body. We've talked about that. Focusing right. on negativity is toxic to your body. Right. You, you have waxed eloquently upon that point. Mm-hmm. And he, he's absolutely right. Um, he talks about how news increases cognitive errors. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, that's kind of built in. You're going to watch soap operas all day. Guess what? Your mental acuity is going to go down. <laughs> <laughs> and he follows it up by saying news inhibits thinking. Yeah, that kind of goes along with the first part. Yeah. yeah. He says that news works like a drug. And that's yeah. true. Yeah. People are addicted to news. And they're addicted to a lot of stuff in life. Yeah. Th- th- there's an essential element of addiction. Joel and I were talking about this a few weeks back. The essential element of addiction is the preference for default behavior.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yes, yes.
0: So in essence, being addicted means I want to be entertained, made to feel good, made to do this, made to... I don't want to actively take responsibility.
1: Exactly, yes. You know, Gary Zukav has a a wonderful expression that I read in his book some 10 years ago and I've never forgotten. He said, an addiction is an, an erroneous belief that the power... Lies outside of you. Yes. Inside.
0: Very yeah. good. I like that.
1: Yeah. So you feel like, well, there's nothing I can do, or you don't want to do anything. So you just, you know, blindly, as you say, operate in default, and you just go with whatever impulses that you have. You follow them, and you take them, you know. And so there's no personal responsibility, no actual. You know, making choice, choosing one thing as opposed to the other. So you let everything outside of you control what you do, what you say, how you feel, what you think, how you act. And fortunately, we're learning how much power we do have as individuals to, to control our lives.
0: And the moment that we, by default, give that up by letting the world, you know, control our experiences is the moment we end up having the worst experiences.
1: Yes, exactly. And and it's so you know, it's so ironic because we think that it's the other way around, right? Because we think with all the drugs and all the alcohol and all this, you're going to have a fun time. You're going to feel
0: good. <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> yeah, but it's it's a false uh, premise.
0: Yeah, because after the rise comes the fall. <laughs> uh,
1: and, you know, and, and then it just, just perpetuates into other disasters in your life your health is at stake your family your finance everything else suffers as a result
0: it's also interesting to note the parallel to drug addiction and alcohol addiction in that not only do we ride the high and then put up with the low afterward but it takes (laughs) an an ever-increasing amount of dosage in order to achieve the same high as before
1: yes and that's you know the thing is that's a testament to the beautiful adaptability of the human body and mind. <laughs> oh,
0: I like that. Elucidate. Tell us more about that.
1: Yes, because your your body is able to, uh, when placed in a new circumstance, it's, go, it's you know environment, circumstances, whatever it is, it's going to uh, make changes, make adjustments, basically to. Um, uh, revert to the norm or go back to that unchanged state and so that's what's happening so you take the drugs and it has this this effect and the body is saying oh this is new this is different we have to make changes to make sure that this you know doesn't cause too drastic change in in the system so then it will um you know the cells will become less sensitive Or whatever the changes may be such that then now you have to take more of the drug in order to get the effect that you you previously had and it's not just the drugs it's the same thing like we were talking about with the news story you know when we start with you know the news and we it's having an effect on us then we realize oh we need more news we need more stuff more detail and it has to be uh, more exciting and more I don't know and and over the top and so then you have to you know, it doesn't just stick with the regular news, you go in search of all kinds of dramatic disastrous things to learn and read about so that you can get that thing. So
0: so where's the goodness? Because you're, you're saying this is a good thing that the body's desensitizing and then you're describing all this bad stuff. <laughs> yeah, because
1: what happens is we, when we have um, you know, uh, other things happen to us, like say uh, we experienced um Uh, An an accident or an illness or something, you know, it's the same force that's involved in restoring us back to our original state. So so if we have if we're dealing with an illness, there's a force within us that's is working to restore us to that change. It's the same thing that happens when we um, say lift weights. And we we have you know slight damage, breakdown to the muscle. The body is going to try to regrow the muscles even stronger, so that the next time we lift those weights, it's not going to cause as much damage to us. So that the body is always uh, adapting. It's always adapting, and in the same case, when we're trying to uh, implement a new habit in our lives. And, you know, at first the body is going to say, this is different, this is new, we got to resist it. But if you persist in that change, then the body is going to make adjustments such that this new habit becomes the norm and we no longer have to work as hard at at, at making it a a part of our lives. So...
0: Which kind of implies that you really don't want habit to be by default.
1: Right. Yes.
0: You actually want habit to be deliberate.
1: Work on, exactly. Exactly,
0: which is kind of the opposite of what habit usually is for us,
1: <laughs> right? Yes, and you know I, this brings me to the the interesting thing about the the book that I've been reading about visualization, and I've been practicing um, some of the techniques, and I I want to share with the reader. But before I do that, let me talk about personal experience. So I've been practicing some of the techniques, and specifically um, with regards to my health, and so you know, he, one of the techniques he talks about is the um, the swoosh technique, where you the take... The swoosh
0: technique, there's a scientific term if I ever heard one.
1: <laughs> yeah, so you, you conjure up the image of what it is you're dealing with, the problem, the state, whatever it is that you have that you want to change. And then you just see it for a couple of seconds and then you swoosh it away and you replace it with the image of what you want. Huh? And you do that, you know, you know, five times for, you know, twice a day. And, you you know, you just kind of do that. So you're reprogramming your psyche, basically. And so I've been doing that with my health. And then what I found happening is that I've been making better decisions about, uh, you know, my health and my and my exercise and my eating habits almost by default. I, 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 and that's not quite the right term. But the point is it's no longer a struggle. It, it, it It's become a lot easier. It's almost... You know, they always talk about extrinsic extrinsic versus intrinsic. So it's become more intrinsic to me to make healthier decisions and to live healthier such that that new image that actually becomes manifest in my life. So, you know, it, it's a, the, the power of visualization and how it affects your psyche at the level where change is no longer the struggle, but it's almost cu- coming quite naturally. So.
0: Well I can certainly see why the swoosh technique is so useful because to be able to swoosh stuff aside that you don't want anymore, that that's definitely valuable. I just yeah. think that it needs to be updated a little bit. <laughs> I so mean, we we live it? in the era of Harry Potter. Let's call it the Harry Potter effect.
1: Okay. You, you wave your
0: Harry Potter wand and swoosh, it's gone.
1: Yeah, yeah. That that would be cool. Yeah, be, you know. I
0: mean, that's the way you can get greater market acceptance of the idea, right? Yeah.
1: This was 30 years ago, so yeah. <laughs> swoosh was revolutionary. That's right.
0: <laughs> oh, that's funny. So, but yeah.
1: Share with you something where he says, and I'm going to read um, a, a sentence here because I thought it, uh, I thought about you when I read it. He oh, says, okay. ultimately, 65 to 70 percent of the population are primarily visual thinkers. 20 percent are kinesthetic, in that they feel images in their body, and 10 percent or so are auditory, translating much of their sensory experience into thoughts and sounds. Is-
0: I've been recognized.
1: Yes, you have. <laughs> And so he says, important for you to determine your primary sensory system or the way you prefer to deal with the thoughts so that you don't frustrate yourself by attempting to visualize when you should be translating your thoughts into feelings or kinesthetics or sensations. So, uh, yeah, that I thought affirmed what you had been expressing all, all this time.
0: Well, I can certainly say that it does work once I start to focus on that. I have made changes and and it's been bizarre to see how quickly they can happen and how unexpectedly they happen. They yeah. they're, they're not linear. They they're, they're right. not linear. They but 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 you start feeling good about stuff and something else happens and you can't on the surface see what the connection is. Right. There there's just no obvious connection, but sure enough good stuff started to happen.
1: Yeah. And what? that's what he, he that, that's called.
0: that's the what, what the heck phenomenon. Yes,
1: exactly. <laughs> And you know, this is kind of what he's saying that there is this immense power that lies within our psyches when we tap into it. And, and that's when he said miracles happen because, of course, we can't explain it in the logical, uh, material world. And so it appears as miracles, but in, in the non-material world, it's actually quite logical because that's how things work. You know, all, it's all energy. And, and when you learn to, um, control and direct the energy you can then control and uh, uh, direct what what manifests in your life so
0: it's interesting as we've been talking about this i've been looking at one of the last paragraphs in that article i referenced Mm -hmm. um of course he, he may be a little bit misled about his own tendencies in this regard of of what the news does but his last paragraph about what news does is really appropriate he says news kills creativity Finally, things we already know limit our creativity. This is one reason that mathematicians, novelists, composers, and entrepreneurs often produce their own most creative works at a young age. Their brains enjoy a wide, uninhabited space that emboldens them to come up with and pursue novel ideas. I don't know a single truly creative mind, he writes, who is a news junkie, not a writer, not a composer, mathematician, physician, scientist, musician, designer, architect, or painter. On the other hand, I know a bunch of viciously uncreative minds who consume news like drugs. If you want to come up with old solutions, read news. If you're looking for new solutions, don't. Mm. And that, boy, if that doesn't tie into what we were just talking about, I don't know what does. Because what you were talking about was basically unleashing creativity.
1: Exactly. And but the thing is, though he, like you said, he is kind of limited in his perspective, because there are creative people who uh, follow the news. They may not be news junkies per se, but one of the things that in in that uh, Dr. Poulos talks about in the book is a technique he calls uh, image streaming. <laughs> and I, I haven't read all the details, but it's basically. Um,
0: is it possible to do images in your mind without streaming them? Yes. <laughs> really. It's, Because I, I I mean, for me, all I have to do is have one thought, and another thought instantly comes up behind it. I I don't really have to wait around much.
1: Right, right. Yeah. So that's what he's kind. It's like a uh, what he calls. It's like uh, a you know, there's that game we used to play. I used to play um, association, where you try to think of something, and whatever you what you know what might be associated to that thing, idea, thought for you, completely different, and you can go off on a. So he's saying that that's one of the ways that you can actually strengthen your visual, uh, or or he calls it mentalizing, because he tries to go away from visualization so that people who can't visualize don't feel left out. So he calls it mentalizing.
0: Well, I appreciate and, that. Thank you very much.
1: <laughs> yes. And so he says you can do this association thing where you you know you you think of an image, whatever it is, anything, and then you try to see what is associated. So it's kind of like what you described except it's uh, you paying attention to it because then he talk, says that you should try to um, describe the thing, whether it's in writing or talking it out loud, because then you focus kind of on the details because that's one of the other aspects of his mentalizing that he thinks it's important that, you know, we, we should try to um, get get as detailed as we possibly can because it strengthens other parts of your your brain. And he's, he's saying that they've done research where they show that people who are really good, at um these visualization mentalization mentalizing techniques um actually use multiple areas of their brain mm-hmm. so they use the visual cortex the auditory cortex um you know the sensory cortex is all of it is kind of lighting up at the same time and so he encourages those who want to you know become better at it to try to incorporate other senses that might not be as strong and, and try to strengthen them and so one of the techniques is this whole um streaming quote unquote, but he says that you can use things in the news to do that. (laughs) You know, and, and, you know, he's not an an LOA practitioner per se, so he doesn't uh, talk about positive versus negative, but he's saying that you can choose whichever direction you want it to go, whether it's, um, you can take a story and then try to come up with images that leads to an outcome that you want yes so you can take a news story and and instead of going with the, the the ending that was reported you can make it make up the ending however you want and, and
0: although, be creative. although for somebody who's a, a a newbie to all this i wouldn't recommend that they start with the news
1: no, no 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 not at all no no but no, this because
0: certainly we can apply this anywhere in life yes this whole yeah. idea of retelling the story uh it's challenging no matter where you apply it, but it's easiest to apply it in areas of life that are not emotionally high strung, shall we say? Uh, So if you want to tell a different story about the weather that there's not usually a whole lot of emotion attached there. So it becomes a lot easier to say, you know, you know, it may be raining out there, but boy, I like a blue sky and sun a whole lot better. And I like the warmth Uh, of my skin. That's an easier story to tell.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah, the news, starting with the news, is not, you know, he's just saying for people who are saying, no, I can't think of anything yeah.
0: else. But he's right that focusing on the details makes all the difference. Yes. And I think one of the reasons is it helps you maintain the focus on the thing that you're attracting.
1: Yes, yes, because he says focus is important because we have, that's one of the things the news does is weakens our focus muscles.
0: <laughs> well, I'm not sure if our focus muscles can be weakened. I think well, what it does is it, fo- it weakens our resolve.
1: Well, when he when I say focus muscle, they use that as an uh you know, it's kind of an angel. it it because there's no real muscle muscle person. No, no, no. Your the skill of being able to focus, is, you know, cuz he talks about how But I guess um, what
0: what I'm saying is I don't think there's ever a moment in time where we aren't focusing on something.
1: Right, but when I say focus muscle, I mean to actually deliberately choose to focus on something and hold that in your right exactly yes
0: Uh, yeah so in other words, it's the deliberate side of focusing
1: exactly yeah that that's it so yeah because he mentions that um you know when we are younger we are able to better do that when we um as children, you know, they can get into their stories and their imagination and go with it for hours.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Joel and I have talked about numerous times about the fact that it's so much easier for a child who's been through dysfunction to go 180 degrees in the, in the other direction than for an adult who's lived, you know, 50, 60, 70 years. Right. Because there's so much less that the child has to undo. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Not that the, the trauma isn't necessarily there. Joel is, in his line of work, he is. Particularly observe kids who've gone through horrific trauma, but just because mm-hmm. the quantity of it isn't large enough compared to say what an adult has experienced, traumatic or otherwise, it's I just see. less to overcome.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's that's kind of what he says about you know all the, the information overload that that
0: adults may have uh, experienced. But
1: what he's the point was, he's saying that we all had that skill at yes. some point in his life. And, and, and we, we still can... have it.
0: It's not like it's gone. Right.
1: Exactly. And he's, yeah. He's saying we can rediscover it, basically.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: By, in by fact, that's it. really
0: the challenge, isn't it, in life? Yes. To, to me, that's what life is all about. Life is about learning how to apply our our built-in power to deliberately focus on what we want.
1: Yes. Yeah. That, that's the bottom line. That's
0: and, it. And <laughs> the older we get after we've gone through all this stuff that distracts us in all the wrong directions... The, the the role at that point becomes retaining our focus, retaining, yeah. re, retaining not just our focus, but what we're choosing to focus on and not allowing ourselves to be distracted and noticing when we're being distracted so that we can redirect back to what it is we do want to focus on. Because yeah. those of us who learn to do that, that's where the real growth takes place. I know.
1: Because I've been, like I said, just over the last couple of days, been trying to do you know some of the visualization techniques? And oh my goodness, my brain is i, I you know—I didn't know I had ADHD. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think we all do to some degree, don't we?
1: I mean, I just—it it occurs to me like how challenging that is, and that's why he points out that those who master that, whether they actually deliberately work at it or there are some people who never lost it as a kid they are the ones who are the success stories in like mm. whatever field. Um, you know, he talks about, um, he gives a story of Bruce, a.k.a. Caitlyn Jenner, and how in an interview, he talked about that that was his most important um, uh, secret, whatever you call it, men- mentalizing. And he said he did that from ever since he was a child. He'd learned to do that. And in fact, he says that he is not an exceptional athlete. At least he never considered himself an exceptional athlete in terms of his physical skills. But he says his ability to visualize that's what um, distinguished him from all of his competitors and, and allowed him success, such success.
0: It certainly makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And, and, and I- certainly that's, that's the, the thing that we're trying to do. I mean, yesterday, mm-hmm. yesterday we, we talked last week about my affirmations and affirmations in general. Yeah. I decided I was going to try to read my affirmations once an hour yesterday. Yeah. I managed oh, to I managed to do it twice. <laughs> but but here's the rub. Twice uh-huh. was a record.
1: Really? I had never
0: done twice in a day before. That was the first time I pulled off twice. So it was actually an improvement.
1: Yeah, that's but, gross. But that's but look, gross. I mean
0: you and I'm not criticizing. You rightly laughed at that cuz that's what we normally do. We laugh at it. Yeah, yeah. You know, oh, oh well, we only did it twice. I meant to, I meant to do it all day long. Well, guess yeah. what? Improvement is actually the better way to look at it.
1: Yes, so, definitely. Right? You're right.
0: You know, so so. while I totally get your your reaction, I probably would have reacted the same way. We're really smart to say to ourselves, as we're trying to change our behavior patterns, we're smart to recognize the improvements rather than to get discouraged about yeah. the, the yeah. failures. Right.
1: Because the defaults or the... the, the... The knee-jerk reaction, like you pointed out, is to laugh without realizing that hey, you did something different that you've never done before. That's
0: right. We've found found a new way to improve my own positive outlook. Yeah. You know, oh, and God. if I didn't apply it perfectly, well, guess what? There's tomorrow.
1: <laughs> exactly. That's There's the today, one.
0: actually, because that was yesterday.
1: <laughs> yeah. There's the whole idea of the kenzin. kenzen kaizen. I never really know how to pronounce it. But is the Japanese philosophy of incremental changes over extended period of time?
0: I think I've read about that, Kaizen.
1: Kaizen, something like yeah, that. Yeah, right?
0: I, I think I've read about that.
1: Yeah, so I, you know, you they they don't go for major changes, but they spread it out and and then work on small changes for extended period of time, and then in fact, it works out to um, you know make. Big changes. So.
0: In fact, if yeah. I remember correctly, Kaizen is actually used in the workplace in Japan yeah. as mm-hmm. a way to improve workflow and improve quality assurance and so forth. Yeah. So it essentially, it's an incremental way to just keep doing a better and better and better job.
1: Exactly. Yeah. It, it originated, if I'm co- correctly remembering, from the samurai warriors in Jap- Jap- Japanese tradition that they they lived by that principle.
0: Okay. All right. Yeah, so. so so now we can do the same thing without slicing people up into little bits. That's good. Right, exactly. <laughs> this is improvement.
1: Although, you know, the, our emphasis in the West on these uh, samurai warriors and other things have been all about the fighting. But for them, the original ones, it was never about the physical.
0: That's true. It, it, was, it was about a way of living. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's and true. Yeah. Of course, they did slice people up. But then again, well, we, we shoot people up. So where's the difference? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. or, or sometimes we blow people up, you know. But uh, right. you know, the more that we focus on all that, the more we get slicing, blowing up, and shooting. So let's focus on the other side, like you say, which is there's a, a, a an enviable side to that life cycle of of believing that you can make incremental improvements in yourself, in your behaviors, in your actions, in your choices toward a better life experience, and that's really yeah. what it's all about.
1: And, you know, the thing about that, that is so less stressful than trying to think about, you know, where you want to go and how far you are from that now. And just, you know, I know because I have I have. Been trying to apply that in like other areas of my life, you know, like with my PhD. I'm going to be talking about this for another, I don't know,
0: for as long as you continue to pursue it, I imagine.
1: Okay, so, and you know, I think about okay, I have to generate a document that's about 150 pages long, you know, essentially my dissertation. So now I was like, I can't think about it. I have to just think about a page at a time, or even a paragraph at a time. Yeah, that's good.
0: That's good. Yeah. Because now you're minimizing 150 pages. 150 p- pages is nothing.
1: Exactly, exactly. And, and a, a page is, is a lot less. I'm uh, um, sorry, a lot more doable, more possible. I yeah,
0: you, you can do a page today. You probably can't write 150 pages in two hours.
1: Exactly. Right.
0: <laughs> Not yet, anyway. Not until they put a computer into your head. Maybe then you could do it. I don't know. <laughs> if your fingers can move that quickly.
1: Well, to the place where we don't need fingers. Yeah, right, you're
0: just speaking, except you can only speak at about 180 words a minute or 200 words a minute if you live on the East Coast. So... Yeah. <laughs> so even there, there are limits. <laughs> Let's see, 100 pages, what's that? That's about, uh, what, 50,000 words, something like that? So... <laughs> oh, wow. 200 words a minute into 50,000 words. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the thing is, what the quality of the the page.
0: Well, exactly. <laughs> but anyway, I want
1: to. Oh, go
0: ahead. No, go ahead.
1: I wanted to share with you some more of the. Um, you know, he gives a lot of these lists in his book, which I actually liked. Um, so he that, that's unusual, because
0: about- I find most often when an authors put lists in the book, I fall asleep. So I'm glad that you <laughs> found lists that you like.
1: Well, he doesn't – it's not listed. It's like, you know, it's in there and you kind of – oh, you, then you realize like, oh, yeah, there was – because then he'll say number five. And like, oh, what was number one?
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> was there a number one? Was there a number two? <laughs>
1: exactly. Where did <laughs> so it go? go back and actually pay attention to the, to the ones.
0: See, see this but, is where I feel better about – my lack of visualization skills because I find that even people who have visualization skills they still can't remember what one, two, and three said.
1: <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, so it's more about it's it's not just visualization, you have to focus on what you have
0: to pay
1: attention. <laughs> but anyway, so so he's talking about um, some of the uh, aspects of the this the whole visualization technique and he talks about the vividness. Actually, vividness of your imagery is not nearly as important as the control of your imagery. Imagery, sorry. Okay. And
0: um, so I'm you feeling better out. by the second here. <laughs> I am. This is good. This is good.
1: Yeah. Well, yes, I, I'm glad you are because I thought about you as I was reading this. Because I even shared with Mark. I said, "Oh, uh, Walt is going to love this."
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you were right.
1: Yeah, so he says. You know, it's it's about the control and not so much about the, the 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 vividness because at you know at first you're not going to get very vivid images, but that's okay as long as you're able to control and sustain and you know like like Abraham Hicks says, seventeen seconds or is it 17? seventeen? Seventeen, <laughs>
0: yeah, seventeen seconds to to get a new right. pattern started. Right. Yeah, and and ultimately, I guess I'm really at the point now where I don't care too much about the vividness of the image. Right. I care more about. What image am I focusing on?
1: Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, and then he goes on to talk about the uh, if it's only a fragment that you can um, conjure up, then that's okay because consciously it may be a fragment, but on a subconscious level, that fragment is going to be associated with a particular uh, neuronal pattern, and it's going to be stimulated every time you, you, know, you flash the fragment of the image. Because he even talks about um, symbols, you can use symbols if you can't get a picture per se, you can get a symbol because we know from you know marketing and other uh, fields where a symbol or, of something brings up a whole host of images and feelings in your minds, and marketers work really hard to to um to create that so oh yeah,
0: just one particular slash tells people Nike
1: exactly. And he says we can do that in our own personal lives. We can choose our images and what they represent and, and just, you know, flash them every so often. And then he talks about, um, the pacing of your imagery. You know, some people are able to do very slow, detailed, uh, deliberate, and others it's like a series of images going back and forth. And he says that, but that's fine. You go at a pace that you feel comfortably comfortable at. And then the other one he talks about, um, is, you know the details that should matter is that you you are focusing on what you want. So if you want to get better at say golf, you you focus on you seeing the ball go into the hole, not just hitting the ball.
0: Right, and, right. And
1: ending the vision there. You know what I mean.
0: There there was a golf movie. There are a few golf movies that I've enjoyed a lot, but one in particular comes to mind called um, "The Greatest Game Ever Played." Mm-hmm. And in that movie, a young American kid, uh, ends up winning the U.S. Open, playing against the two best British champions in the world. Uh And at one point, he's trying to focus uh, on his shot. He's standing on the tee. He's trying to focus on the green. And he's not in a really good place mentally. He's feeling pressure. He's feeling scared so forth. And all of a sudden, the green disappears about 500 Further yards into the, into the distance, it, like it's really small, really far away, uh-huh. and of course he misses the shot. Uh, oh. On another shot, all of a sudden the green seems to get really close to him, and it gets big, oh. and he can see the whole thing. He can see the flag, he can see the hole, and so forth. He has the shot; it goes right in. You know, hole yeah. in one. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. two different experiences, the same activity.
1: Right, two different images. Two different <laughs> images,
0: very different images.
1: Yeah, I, I've heard, like, in, in basketball um, sometimes, or even in tennis, like, when the tennis player is doing really well, you know, the commentator will say they're seeing the tennis ball as big as the basketball. That's right, right. Yeah. Score, whatever, you know, or, or, yeah. Any so,
0: sport is like that. Baseball, basketball, football, yeah. soccer, you name it. They all have that same aspect. The, even non-ball sports, running, track and field, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Yeah. You know, how far away does the finish line seem? How high does the high jump seem? If it yeah, seems really it, low, you're going to jump it.
1: <laughs> right. That's a, yeah. Because Marka, uh, you know, we've been reading this book together, and so he he was running this morning before he went to work on the on the treadmill, and he was saying that while he was running, he held visions of himself as being strong and healthy and fit, like he was, you know, 25 years ago. And he said that this has been his best run in like I don't know how how long he was able to. Run longer and faster and harder than he has been in a long time, just by holding a different image in his mind. So,
0: how cool that we can achieve that without eating Wheaties.
1: I know. <laughs> I I have a suspicion that the Wheaties people know this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they probably do. But boy, is it effective marketing. <laughs> 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 uh, it is, it is, it Including is. Bruce Jenner, he actually appeared on a Wheaties box if I, I remember correctly.
1: He did. He did. yes. I think they're all privy to this, and you and I are only just now discovering it. <laughs> you
0: know, one of these days, they're going to put Caitlyn Jenner on the Wheaties box, and then everybody's minds are really going to get blown.
1: <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, I, I've seen one of those, then it's not a good one. Oh, <laughs> oh well, happen. no, I,
0: I meant the positive kind, but uh... yes. Yeah, so.
1: But uh yeah, so let me just share with you really quickly some of the different um visualization techniques. There's okay. the there's the um the collage where he says you can just put a bunch of snapshots together. You make a mental collage like you would, you know, in real life. Um and you kinda just use that and, and if that's all you can come up with for your imagery, then that's what that's all it takes. So like for me I'm seeing myself. One picture of me shaking my professor hand, receiving my PhD. <laughs> the other one is my LinkedIn profile. It's updated with my qualifications, and, and the other one's my resume and stuff like that. So,
0: okay, um, that's good.
1: That, that's my collage. Then the other one he talks about um, is the strobing of the flashing, which I mentioned before, the swooshing <laughs> where you replaced one.
0: <laughs> the Harry Pottering. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: Then he talks about the computer-generated imagery. And I guess for him, that was like state-of-the-art, where you actually imagine a picture, a computer a screen, and then there's like these dots that come, and eventually more and more dots come to fill in the picture of, of the image, that, of the thing you want. And then there's the multi-focus technique. This one's very interesting, where you hold a picture of uh, the thing you're trying to accomplish out in front of you in your mind's eye and then you uh, mentally project a beam of light from your head from your forehead another one from your heart and another one from uh, your stomach or your solar plexus
0: sounds like something out of a science fiction movie
1: yeah yeah this is pretty cool but he says having three beams of overlapping energy gives that 3D holographic quality and symbolically programs your mind Programming is programming you from your mind, your heart, and what is referred to as the power center, or your your gut, or solar plexus. Okay. And, and then uh, number four, what is that one? Oh, this is the one he used with the athletes, where he would have them um, do. Oh, so this is the the strobing. So you would have the image, and it would you know you could like you know turn it on and off, kind of flick it back and forth, you do it slowly, and then quickly, and you just kind of play with the image, so you're programming yourselves subconsciously, but you're having fun doing it, so it doesn't become as, as stressful, so you just kind of, you can zoom in and zoom out, or make the picture bigger and smaller, you can change the colors, you know, just kind of play with it, while at the same time focusing on it, but not, um, you know, being too stressed about
0: it, Okay. And,
1: And the final one is the um, in or out dissociated visualization where you are looking through your own eyes, seeing yourself at the point of of your accomplishment. Like me, I'm standing on the stage and I'm seeing the crowd, uh, uh, the audience as I receive my diploma. And then you go from there back uh, out to someone in the audience looking at you and you kind of. Go in and out, so you're having an inner outer body experience, and you just kind of play with it, kind of thing. So.
0: Okay, I, I think he left one out. Which is that? That would be the Staples photocopy method. Is? <laughs> <laughs> this is one that I've actually considered doing, and I, I started to put it together, and then I, I don't know why I didn't go back to it. I, I should complete uh-huh. this, but I went online and took advantage of the fact that online you can find almost anything and found something like 30 or 40 happy, young, vibrant, excited faces, big smiles on their faces. And then I was going to put them on to a a Word document, send them to Staples and ask Staples to print out all these copies and put these copies up all around the house. So I'm constantly surrounded by all these happy, smiling, young, energetic, vibrant faces.
1: Yeah, that's great. In fact, I I heard of another similar story, this um, lady... She's the mother of the preacher Joel Osteen, who cured herself of terminal cancer by putting pictures of herself around her house of herself young and healthy and vibrant and happy. Yeah, everywhere. that would work. And that would work. It just helped to generate good feelings, and and you know, and and eventually she's she was cured of of her cancer.
0: That's fantastic. Yeah, but that so that's what I think would probably happen. If I mean, for those of us who are still struggling against. The fact that uh, we, we have this overwhelming tendency to be addicted, to, to rely on default, to want to be entertained, to want the universe to change us. Right? We don't want to have to take responsibility and so forth. Right. Well, one thing that occurs to me is if we're surrounding ourselves with positive, happy images, not only is that going to have a positive default impact upon us but it's yeah. also going to encourage us because yeah. it, it will make us feel better and when you feel better you feel more empowered you feel like you can actually take on the world and go after making those changes and not relying on the world to make you yeah. feel better uh-huh. or entertain you
1: and, and then the thing is that that, that that feeling then comes from inside or subconscious however you want to describe it without you having to really work hard yeah, and- you,
0: you don't have to bring it up <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yes, it's almost like you kind of uh... – Because
0: sometimes it feels like you're pulling up this 10-ton weight, you know? <laughs>
1: yeah. It's like brainwashing yourself. It, well, it is, well, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> in a positive way. How How about that for a change? That
1: is a great idea, Walt. I think I, I'll actually do that too.
0: I, I'm going <laughs> to do that. And I, I think that's why I'm saying this, to kind of get myself to you know get off the schneid, so to speak, and you know, do the darn thing. You have a good idea. Run with it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah.
0: Because <laughs> that's, well, that's the biggest. problem, isn't it? We, we even when we come up with a good idea, we tend to just let it slide, and then yeah. you know it just doesn't seem to work anymore. Well, yeah, that's because, because we didn't do anything.
1: <laughs> right. I have a collection of magazines around that I was planning to make a, a vision board with of you know house and car and all that. Oh, but really? I think I look for happy faces now.
0: <laughs> oh Okay. Yeah. Well, there's no reason you can't do both.
1: Yeah, true. I
0: mean, a, a car and a house are always better with happy faces.
1: Yes, definitely. But happy faces
0: get around better in a car. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It works both ways. it does. It does. <laughs> so this has been fun. Well, we've got a few minutes left. Um, I'm not quite sure where to go with the, with those. Uh, I guess we've got about eight minutes left. But uh, during those eight minutes, I'd like to kind of tie together what we've been doing because – one thing that we've really done well that Joel and I have worked on is trying to maintain positive focus throughout a show and not spend a whole lot of time on the negative. Mm-hmm. And we've done a really good job of that so far. Now we got to find some way to just stick with it. Th- this is actually a big issue, isn't it? Cause we, we've, we try things you and I try things those of us who who pursue this law of attraction lifestyle we try to do new things we try to shift our perspectives we try you know different ways to improve things and yet it's that last mile that we tend to fall down on yeah well here we are on the show we're on the last mile how can we keep it going
1: yeah, I think it's important for us. For what has helped me is realizing, like I mentioned earlier in the talk about the body's adaptability or the body's first apparent resistance to change. So when you try to make a change, the body's going to resist it. But if you persist beyond, and some people have try to come up with an exact day, or you know, like 21 days, if you can go beyond the 21st day, that's when you know, it's no longer I, I have to
0: say I think the 20 day thing is full of it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've tried it and you know what, I've never that's noticed true. any major difference between day 20 and 21, I think it's all in the mind of the person who proposed it because that's what they decided was going to work true. and but that's what made it work
1: some truth to the fact that there is a period over which if after you have if you if you persist through that then it does get easier i don't know how what it, and it may be very different for different people
0: i think that's what it is i mean everybody yeah. has a different threshold Exactly. yeah but you're right over time i mean i can already see Oh, we started. When, when did we start talking about this whole law of attraction thing I remember, I remember that meeting when Louise and I lived in Virginia and the yeah. four of us were sitting in, in the dining room there yeah, I that think was that was around 2010, 2011 somewhere around there, I can't remember exactly where it was well,
1: yeah not that far back I, I think it's, I don't know it's been about three or four years ago
0: I know it's at least 2012 because that's when I started doing the podcast
1: Oh, okay. Okay. And, and it was before well, we yeah, did the was,
0: podcast. Maybe it was that year. Maybe it was, yeah, was earlier that year.
1: Yeah, very yeah, close to that. So, but yes. Yeah, but so I about, look back over
0: that period of time and I can see how much my attitude has improved. Yes. I can see how I have made changes. I, I can't say that I am real pleased with the degree to which I've made changes. I can see a lot of room for improvement. But hey, I can see the improvement. Yeah. And so you're oh. right. I think there is a long term effect. It's just how far do you have to go before you see it it's going to vary from person to person your mileage may vary
1: Yeah, and I want to give the readers and myself a reminder that when you are trying to create change or to establish a new habit when you do it for the first few times you haven't really done anything differently it's when you have resistance to the habit that's when you know that it's actually affecting you at a subconscious level and then the body the psyche the subconscious everything is saying oh Something's happening here that's different. So if you can persist through that resistance, then you know that you've actually kind of made some some changes.
0: Sure, because what you're trying to do is to let the resistance go. Exactly. Which is a really interesting problem to have because I found that the first time you try to let go of resistance, it, it, it tends to persist. It tends to stay there.
1: <laughs> right.
0: What we resist persists. And like, well, yeah, Jung was right about that. Very right. depressing. But uh, the good news is that the more we focus on, on the opposite of the resistance the thing that we're trying to attract the more the resistance goes away
1: exactly
0: and that's the real positive thing that's 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 where the growth happens because because you're right the body's giving us the signal the moment we get that resistance we can tell Mm -hmm. okay we're pushing the right buttons here
1: exactly exactly so
0: (laughs) so keep pushing that button and just take your mind off that resistance and just let it go away go bye see ya we're done sayonara (laughs) (laughs) And meanwhile, the persistent resistance says, I ain't going anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So we have to say, well, you are. You just don't know it yet. (laughs) It's only a
1: matter of time. It's only a matter of time. All the images of those things you want and and the way you want to be and live and do and all that good stuff. And,
0: And the other thing that's really nice about that is when we do focus on those things that we want and take our minds off the things that we don't want, that's where life actually gets better.
1: Yeah. It, yeah. Is, it
0: isn't in getting those things. It's in the experiencing of the dream of those things that life gets Which better.
1: Ultimately, what we really want. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. So there's actually a built-in reward immediately for doing the dreaming, for doing yes. the visualizing.
1: That's true. You don't have there's...
0: to wait to run the race.
1: I never thought about that. But, yes, there is a built-in reward. <laughs> That's...
0: And it feels good.
1: Yeah.
0: You just have to be willing to see it. The bi- I think the one thing that that trips us up the most often – is when we don't get the instant result. And mm-hmm. so we ignore the fact that we succeeded.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because we've been so conditioned we, to focus on the material world.
0: And, and we, we're also conditioned to focus on success in the material world. We forget that success in the mental world is still success.
1: Yes, and in fact, it is the real success.
0: It's the most important one of all.
1: Yes, yeah.
0: So yeah, that that's... I think I'm going to actually apply my project. I'm going to go create those, not create them. I'm going to find those photos. Fortunately, I don't have to create them. I don't have to get my camera and go find a whole bunch of happy faces to I shoot and get, and get signed releases and all that stuff. I don't have to do all that. Yeah. <laughs> I can find them online. And and by the way, normally I would not recommend that you just take item, uh, images online. And, you know, I certainly wouldn't recognize that you take them to publish anywhere, but you are allowed to, to take them for your personal use. As long as yeah. they're made freely available, you are able to use them for your personal use. And that's OK. So do that. Just don't make a right. book of it and sell it.
1: <laughs> so can you share this with us at some point? like on the? I'm not, sure
0: to, I'm not sure how to do a radio image of a room, but,
1: <laughs> no, I don't mean radio, but you do have a uh, facebook page
0: True yeah i can post stuff on the facebook page once i've got this so yeah i'll i'll take some shots with my smartphone and you know show the the photos in place
1: Yeah 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 that would be cool
0: Gives me more incentive now
1: Definitely cuz we're waiting
0: <laughs> <laughs> Oh no the pressure's on Oh <laughs> Yona, this has been great. thank you so much for sitting in once again and and helping to uh, hel- helping Joel you're I don't know if you realize it, but you're helping Joel by doing these sit-ins and giving him time to get himself situated in his new gig running his uh, new addiction center in Virginia. So, thank you. We appreciate it, both of us. Well,
1: helping him has helped me. So, you know what they say: if you want to get rich, help someone else get rich. So that's what I'm doing. <laughs> well, well,
0: well, that's what we find. We find doing these shows is good for us, and, and the fact that we're able to help our audience too is just gravy. But it's what it does for us <laughs> that keeps us going. Yeah. So, so thank you for joining us. And uh, by the way, uh, those of us, those of you who are listening on PRN, we hope you continue to do so. But we also encourage you to. Uh, Look for us and subscribe on our website, LOAToday.net. As Yona said, you can also find us on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on uh, YouTube. We're everywhere. Everywhere. (laughs) Yona, it's been a pleasure as usual.
1: Yes, thank you.
0: We'll see you all next time here on Today. Goodbye, everybody.